0: Welcome again to Our Street. Lyndon Fisher here with my buddy, Kurt Elder. Kurt, how are you today?
1: Lynn, well, uh, we're continuing our series in affordable housing. I think many of our listeners uh, have heard this before, but for those that have not, oftentimes uh, when city agencies or nonprofit groups or general public, they talk about housing. We don't always get into the broader you know, nature of what was it really take to make that happen? Um, I think that we often work within, I don't think we have a full deck of cards, and so I don't expect us to get a full deck of cards out of this, I just want to get a couple more aces on my sleeve. Curtin and
0: myself, but uh, welcome to the show, and I uh, hope this isn't the, the first time and the only time that you're, uh, <laughs> is the first, but not the only time that you come on the show. So for those listeners, uh, Charlie, who don't know who you are, could you give us a little bit of uh, background, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, I am with
2: NeighborWorks Lincoln, currently uh, chief of staff and then director of our real estate department. Um, so my, my job really entails from, a, from an organizational standpoint, helping uh, just with the organizational management, but then also in the real estate, uh, our program area, um, overseeing our land acquisition um, and then all of our construction whether that's new construction or projects that we uh, purchase and renovate and then resell.
1: Right. So how did you become part of NeighborWorks Lincoln? Let's just, cause I think that's an interesting just part of the story yeah. as well, just some context. So how did you get yeah.
2: NeighborWorks? So I'll, I'll kind of go back to the to the beginning of my professional career. Um, so I, I actually taught for 12 years. I was a seventh grade science teacher at Pound Middle School. Um, and I, I had worked construction through high school and college and kind of got some basic skills, learned how things go together. Uh, and then graduated from Hastings College with a, a degree in biology and education. And of course, was getting married, looking for a, a job. And I interviewed at Pound Middle School and, and got a, a teaching job. Uh, I was there for about 12 years and after about 10 years uh, I had done different things uh, through the summers and coached baseball, ran to tasseling crews, things like that and I, I decided I was going to send an email out to everyone I knew and just see is there any interest in in people that need odd jobs done, just stuff that they've had around their house that they need to get done and in the course of about three hours from when I sent that email out, I had my entire summer completely booked. And and that started, um, that summer was full. And then the next summer, I started taking uh, requests for the next summer. And then it kind of bled into the school year and jobs got a little bit bigger and went from kind of a, a handyman model to more of a kitchen and bath basement finishing type work um, and really had to make a choice. I uh, got to a point where I was teaching half-time, running my business half-time, and made the decision to leave teaching and focus on my remodeling company full-time. Um, HomeWorks was the name of that company. I operated that for, for several years um, and then got to a place where I was fairly uh I wouldn't say disappointed, but just what I was doing was not what I viewed as rewarding. I I've always been servant minded and wanting to give back and doing high end kitchen remodels wasn't wasn't fulfilling to me. But the uh, neighborworks called. What's that? But the neighborworks called. Yeah. So then a friend of mine uh who knew what was going on and how i felt and how i was feeling about my my work uh had seen that neighborworks was hiring for a rehab construction manager and part of that job description was teaching the home buyer education course which is by far the the biggest community touch that neighborworks has we educate over 300 uh lincoln residents every year on what it means to be a homeowner whether that's getting your finances in order, understanding the the real estate process, um, uh, inspections, how to assess a home, all of those things fall under that class. So I read this description and I thought, man, that sounds like a pretty intriguing uh, gig. And I, I applied and got the job. And that was over six years ago. And I've been here since and have just continue to be more and more involved in the, in the organization. So
1: I know that we have a whole half, so I'm not going to try to get too in depth here for the last little bit of this uh, first half, about 10 minutes ago. But when we get to the meat and potatoes of this APN topic, which is affordable housing creation, <clears throat> there's different nonprofits around Lincoln that do this work. We've already had a, had a conversation with uh, Half to Half for Humanity, uh, Lincoln Housing Authority, uh, we're just going and finding like groups to have this conversation. Sure. So when I reached out to you to have this conversation, one, thanks for the quick email response. <laughs> <laughs> and two, uh, NeighborWorks does a variety of kinds of construction, um, but where you, your process is a bit more informative is that is that you have a low income buyer and you're trying to find a home for that person for the first time home buyer, but you also have this new, new construction side. And sometimes they cross and mix. So as we okay. have this conversation, just, just know that that's okay to cross the streams, Egon, anytime you can throw a Ghostbusters reference into a good interview, you, you've probably already gotcha. won the interview. Uh, so, but when we look at whether it be a duplex or single family process, can you just start walking us through what your Flow chart of timeline looks like what are some of those challenges and this will bleed over to the second half but let's just start with mm-hmm. hey I want to build a house
2: NeighborWorks right. what do you do yeah and I would say I mean just before we go any further just to to kind of put a a point on this that the the home program within NeighborWorks Lincoln where we offer down payment assistance closing costs and then rehab services to folks that qualify for our program. It's an income qualification. Um, we That is by far the, the meat and potatoes of the NeighborWorks program. We serve anywhere between 60 and 80 families a year that are buying an existing home. Um, and that's where uh, that original job, that rehab manager is such a crucial role because they're assessing properties that are already out there uh, listed on the open market. And we, we layer uh, a second mortgage, basically a, a loan that's forgiven over time uh, to remove that hurdle of, of the down payment that a lot of people are experiencing. So that's within our home ownership program. Um, within our real estate development program area, so to your question, Kurt, we we're always looking for land. I mean, land is, land is what moves the organization. Um, it's what allows us to do projects What allows us to uh, to build homes and get people into new homes that we're able to build. Um, And it's also, I mean, a a driving force of our, we're a nonprofit, but we have to uh, still make money to pay our staff and keep the lights on at the, at the office. So the developer fee that goes into those projects um, is what, what helps keep us sustainable over the years. Uh, NeighborWorks has been around for 37 years. So we, we have a, a, a very good track record within the community, and really, it's the idea of land is is the most important. Um, but once we once we have uh, a site identified, and I would I would say it's kind of a multifaceted approach to how we how we do our land assessment. Um, could either be just property that's on the on the market. Um, we bought several properties that are either homes that are dilapidated that need to be torn down and and redeveloped or we buy uh empty lots that have that have sat vacant uh for whatever reason uh for for in some cases decades and then we're able to put a a a home on that site I think uh, what we have really started looking at and this is evidenced in our strategic plan is that we we need to acknowledge that land is the is the premium um and if we can if we can leverage that land to build a, a, as many homes as possible um within within a context that uh is livable um for for our homeowners then it opens up larger parcels that we can instead of looking at a one-for-one replacement um for example at 33rd and q right now we have a project wrapping up that was a double lot had had a house on it since the 20s I believe and had fallen into disrepair and we were able to purchase that home demolish the structure and then go through a replat where we made four individual parcels so we view that as four for one and that's how we we view being able to kind of make a dent into the the housing shortage we we realize that I mean, we're never gonna be able to build thousands of homes a year uh, that Lincoln needs, but if we can leverage the land that we have in a way, um, then we're we're starting to get somewhere.
1: There's always just a certain amount of need out there. And this conversation is gonna take two facets that I hope to cover enough so. Uh, one is what we're talking about now is building of a home that's for resale for a single family homeowner. Uh, or just for a homeowner and the other side will be if New works ever gotten to the rental side what would make projects like that possible so i think we're gonna i'm gonna try to tackle this front side which is a single family homeowner right before a break we have about four minutes land is king just as you said and finding that land that fits within appropriate parameters that fit within your funding streams so you have not only uh person's equity that, that they're putting in, you have federal funds, state housing trust funds, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, our listeners may not know is that in order to, to use funds on a piece of property, that, that property needs to be in a certain area that meets certain environmental, uh, qualifications. Right, Charlie? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. And so, uh, too much no, noise traffic, too close to train tracks, uh, pollution, um, X, Y, Z, kind of. One plane floodplain limits those yeah. those options has neighbor works so that's a question for later so when when we think about your um, cash flow what what kind of house are you building and, and what's that assessing at that's what i want to start with because when we talk with habitat they're saying that they're building single family homes that are assessing around 250 where are you at
2: yeah so we we build i mean we're building all single family homes um That might be in a different typology it might be four four row houses that might be a duplex but everything is is owner occupied um and i would i would say our our assessments are coming in in that 200 to 250 range i think what we what we see is that we we actually and this becomes important when we start talking about the land trust involvement in in this ownership model um, but what we've noticed is that we have essentially from the from the date that a, a new owner takes residence takes a, a occupancy um, we have about a year before the assessor kind of catches up um, and we we've seen anywhere from maybe an initial assessment um, that's mostly based on the purchase price uh, we just to be, Just so your listeners understand, I mean, I I've said over and over again that you don't actually build affordable housing, you you build normal housing and then you subsidize it to a level that's affordable for low to moderate income buyers. So our our construction costs, our total development costs are sometimes over three hundred thousand dollars, but we're selling that house for in some cases one hundred and sixty thousand, in some cases one hundred ninety thousand. It just depends on the the funding source and the the AMI level that we're targeting Um, but our assessments for the first year tend to track with that initial purchase but then it's years two and three where you start to see some pretty steep increases Um, I've I've looked at a couple properties we've gone from like 170 to 230 to 290 within a couple year window and I I realize there's there has been some I mean pretty massive shifts in the market um and the assessors trying to keep pace but
0: um it is it is something that we keep a a pretty close eye on we're going to take a short break as we continue our conversation here with Charlie Wesch with uh, NeighborWorks so don't go anywhere we'll be back in just a couple minutes back Welcome back to Our Street, Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder, and today we're uh, talking with Charlie Wesch, and he's with NeighborWorks uh, Lincoln. And uh, in the break, we kind of decided which direction to to move here. Charlie, tell us about the land trust. That's a new. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably don't even know what that is, um, and it's it's kind of a uh, kind of an interesting concept, and it's something I I know that you guys have uh, started using. Tell us what a land trust is. What is that? How's it different from a land bank like they have in Omaha? And then uh, tell us about the tool and, and how important it is to NeighborWorks. Sure. Um, glad you asked.
2: Thanks Lynn. Um, I would say so first of all, so a land trust is a is a legal framework um, where uh, an organization uh, in this case NeighborWorks Lincoln has created a, a community land trust as a subsidiary uh, organization. Um, the, the land trust is able to essentially separate the, the home from the land. And we, when we build a home, we sell that home minus the land to a first time homeowner. It's that, it's that distinction that allows NeighborWorks to stay involved and have, have uh, an involvement in, in the sales going forward um essentially what we're using it as is a tool to sell a single home we might we might build a single home and sell that to a first-time homeowner and the subsidy that we put in whether that's to kurt's point earlier whether that's federal funds state funds city funds we use that funding to on the front end draw the price down that starts the clock on that property and depending on the who we sell that property to, uh, if that's a let's say it's an under 80% AMI area median income buyer, we have to sell to the same income level transaction after transaction. So essentially, we're using one home that will always be affordable, whether that's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. And I would I would just add that. While land trusts are a a new concept in Lincoln, um, they have been around uh, in some cases up to 50 years on the East Coast, Uh, they operate worldwide. And I would say just from an industry perspective, we're starting to see a a lot of uh, interest in the land trust model because essentially our, our development costs on homes has gotten so high that organizations are looking for a better return on their investment instead of building a a $300,000 home and selling it for 160 subsidized with some grant funding. Um, That's great for that one buyer, but then when that buyer decides to move, they sell at the top of the market and that subsidy is essentially lost. Um, The land trust model allows that subsidy to basically keep the unit affordable throughout multiple transactions over the course of the the home's lifespan
0: so just so i understand clearly charlie when so someone buys a home that has a land trust supporting it they're not buying the land they're just buying the house correct do they have to pay property taxes on the land so the way that our our trust
2: is structured and we use best practice throughout the the u.s via multiple consultants. Uh, property owners, the homeowners do pay property tax on the land uh, and they also pay uh, a lease fee that's $25 per month um, called a ground lease fee uh, for basically their rights to use the land in any way that they would normally. They can have a garden, they can put up a play set. Uh, we have seven homes currently in our land trust portfolio and I get questions all the time. OK, I understand we're in a land trust. Can I still do this? Can I put in a playset? And I have no interest in micromanaging people's ownership experience. Um, yes, they have all of the rights um, as if they own the land. But it's that that distinction that allows resale to happen at a at a, res- at a restricted level.
1: So I know that you're doing your land, uh, land trust homes under your current new constructions things of that mm-hmm. nature. Sure. Um let's say if someone had a home and they're aging out, they had no apparent heirs and they wanted to capture some value. If they would put their home into your land trust portfolio after they expire, is there any estate benefit to them? What's i'm just trying to learn is there a way to get more people involved in into your portfolio but what's the benefit to them if one exists
2: does that make sense yeah uh what we've we have not i've had several uh community members reach out to me about wanting to whether they're moving up or downsizing or whatever the situation might be there's interest in being part of the land trust and, and having a a piece of of what they've owned be part of the affordable housing solution, um, and essentially what we would we would need to do is from the beginning do an appraisal so we can establish this is the value of the home, this is the value of the land, and either the land trust would need to be able to purchase both and then resell the house minus the land, or in a lot of cases people have expressed interest in wanting to basically sell the house but then donate the value of the land so there is that charitable contribution that that comes in um we're, the the land trust is is governed by a nine member board and that's definitely a direction that we want to go but for right now the land trust has been pretty much it has been exclusively new construction projects that 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 NeighborWorks lincoln has built but that's definitely an area that we want to move into is the existing homes. Sure.
1: So bringing that gear down, Lynn during the break had a question that he was curious about, about how does NeighborWorks deal with impact fees and, and other development fees of that same nature? For a single family home impact fees, 5,000 uh, bucks. Who pays for that? How's that get covered?
2: Yeah, so our, I mean, we we operate on a developer model so we contract with with a builder um their bids incorporate any impact fees um so that's not that's not a fee that i ever have to pay that's built into our contracted costs with our builder
1: just as a clarifying point there if a low-income person went and built their own home with their own financing uh, there's a city policy or order in place that would waive those impact fees so that's what when you're the middleman selling to
2: a local person are those waived as well i i believe so i would have to i mean i've I've never heard of us having to pay an impact fee um i would just i would want to check with our builder because i know i've looked at the the language on the back of that application and it says like it has to be like that's reserved for rental properties but i believe we do get a we, we do get any impact fee wave since we're, uh, selling to a low income, sure. eventual buyer.
1: It's, it's so as, as I promised our listeners, I, I just kind of want to get into the second side of this, which is rentals. Uh, we, we've been talking about home ownership, building, get people in home ownership, but there's been, you know, thoughts of new works possibly getting into a rental market and that, you know, it takes cash flow and it takes property management and things of that nature. Um, two part question two separate questions really one is where's any works on that spectrum these days and two uh, if there was a a pool of money that people would uh raise to then help you build affordable housing is there a certain rate of return even small that you could promise them if they
2: work with you i i can't promise any rate of return i'm sorry um I we're not we're not far enough along I mean I think that's definitely a a a fun idea um but I I'm not in a position to to do that I would say the conversation I mean within NeighborWorks Lincoln within our board is that uh there is a, a high amount of interest in NeighborWorks Lincoln being in the rental space um we we have multiple properties that are in our portfolio that would serve as a as a site for um, a future tax credit project um, through low income housing tax credits. Um, I think that's that's an area that we obviously I don't have experience in that realm. Um, I know Wayne Mortensen, our CEO, does, um, but that's an area that we would need to potentially look to partner with another organization to get that, that experience and that track record.
1: Sounds good. Uh, I only have two questions left, Lynn kick in if you don't need to. But when it comes to what tools, what tools or opportunities or changes would new Works need to be more effective or then create more housing or just have flexibility to be more dynamic? And I know the easy answer is give us more money. Um, mm-hmm but uh, if we could pause that idea, is there something else that, do you you think that you should get a density bonus if you provide affordable housing? Do you think you should get some automatic waivers? Do you think your COP should be different sizes or just have automatic relief valves? Tell me what you think, what's
2: unique? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when it comes to like what would make the development of single family housing easier, it really comes down to zoning. Um, we we spend a considerable amount of money. Uh, two projects we have in our pipeline right now. Uh, one is at 26th and U. It's called the Holly Corners. Uh, it's a community unit plan. The other is uh, at 46th and Pioneers. That's a 12-unit row house development. And in both of those cases, the the process to go through planning is to establish a community unit plan which involves uh, a lot of a lot of cost drainage studies and uh just the the planning process the surveys i mean all of the studies that go into that and i think if that process was more streamlined um maybe not requiring uh maybe if the threshold for establishing a CUP. Was less than the the one acre that it is right now. Um, I also think um, what we've started having conversations about is if if you're building a product that's designated as affordable, can there be can there be some sort of built-in variance? Uh, so if you're building an R two zoning, can if it's an affordable project, can you get some relief to basically make it so like you're building an R four? Um, other communities have what's called an affordable housing overlay where it creates basically a, a different zoning map based on uh whether it's an affordable project or a market rate project so i think all of those things are would be would be helpful
1: and just for sort of clarifying in the last question i believe that we have time for even with those developer fees that are existing right now neighborhoods is still making a profit on those projects right Yes. But if those were less, you would have more money to do more things. Exactly. Making, all right. And,
2: and time is money. I it mean, if we, money. if we, if we did not have to spend the same amount of time on each, on the pre-development of each project, then we could move through those faster and, and get more units in the ground.
0: Yeah. I, this has been an interesting conversation, Charlie, thanks for coming on the show. And we're going to have you come back again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Thanks to our listeners for spending some time with Kurt and me, and we'll see you next week here on Our Street.